Hey, this is Josh. Thanks for tuning into the show, Healers on Healing. I wanted to make this show because we can get caught in the trappings of life. Responsibilities, bills to pay, kids to feed, just all these things that take our attention. And to me, healing and being our healthiest self gets neglected. I thought it'd be interesting to ask my colleagues and other professionals what the heck this thing, health and healing, is. I hope these conversations inspire you, demystify the process, maybe reinforce what you already know, and give you new ideas on how to be the healthiest you. episode, my guest Carla Schlags will be discussing the healing process of slowing down and taking space. Carla is a practicing therapist in San Francisco. Tune in as she shares her own personal story of being mugged and turning the experience into an empowering story. From a personal place, from a professional place, like Here's this thing, healing, mm-hmm. this big word. What do you make of it? So I feel like the healing is moving through all that stuff from life that you go through. Something will happen and you'll feel it. And it's bigger and badder than it should be. People will come to me for similar reasons, right? And each of them move through those things that happen in their life, whether it be death or trauma or stress at work, or even something as simple as not having sex with their partner. And the way that it affects them is different. I feel like so much of our work in healing is holding the story that people bring for you and then figuring out how to help them change it so that they can hold it themselves in a way that isn't so painful, which is a lot of the work that I've done myself of figuring out how to gain power and strength from the experiences that I've gone through and wisdom from them. You know, and it's interesting because I've learned so much from so many of my clients. It's like I'm able to give them so much, but they bounce back so much to me, which has been an amazing experience. Just And when we're in school, right, when you're learning, when you're training, it feels like it's going to be much more of a one-way road. And it's not at all. What have you learned? So one of the things that I've learned is humility. My dad passed away this summer and it was an interesting thing to bring into the room. I learned from many of them from hearing their stories of their loss of their parents and how they held it, how they dealt with it. Tell me if I hear this correctly. In a way, I hear you saying almost, you know, events happen in our lives and some of them obviously hit us harder than others. And we almost get kind of locked into maybe a singularity of how I'm holding that. Mm -hmm. And yet healing is really, can we expand that? Can we maybe find an empowered place? Mm -hmm. Can we maybe show you a variety? Like I hear your clients showing you sort of a variety of ways to travel through the death of a parent. Mm -hmm. And there's healing there because now I have perhaps choice or now I have perhaps just 
Yeah, just different opportunities on how to hold this experience. Right. When life happens, it really uh, makes you face it. I feel like there are many moments, I feel this in parenting all the time, where you should have the answer. You shouldn't be feeling, you know, it's like, I know what I should be doing. I know the steps of how to move through this. I know what somebody is going to tell me to do. And it's not working. (laughs) And then you realize, when I think of why so many of my clients come back to me week after week for the healing, for the therapy. Most of my clients are incredibly high-functioning, brilliant, successful, amazing people. But what I'm doing is not something that they couldn't do for themselves. I'm mostly giving them a space to do it, right? A space, a contained place to hold and honor what they're going through. And so it's a good reminder to us too that even though we know in our hearts and our minds all the stuff we're supposed to go through and do, we still need to create that space. It doesn't have to be in a therapy room, right? It can be, we know, right? It can be in all different kinds of places, but we are constantly inundated with stimulation. And what that makes us is just going, going, going and not pausing and having that time where we're just chewing on all the stuff that happens in our life. I often feel like that idea of like the front porch time sitting and staring out into space and contemplating, you know, what you're going to do next doesn't happen anymore. Slowing down the stimulus, slowing down, just being in sort of movement, Mm -hmm. slowing down to really see what's going on is really powerful. yeah, how I hear you, mm-hmm. or putting my own words or what I hear yeah. you saying. You know, I think about generations ago, they may have had more time to do this. More stillness. Do you think it's sort of cultural, societal, or is there something in our ourselves that keep us moving? I mean, I, there's part of me that thinks that it's generational and cultural. I think that other... In other places, in other times, people weren't moving this much or this fast. And even in the things that they were doing, they were doing more one thing at a time where they were able to kind of sink into deeper thought. Like I think about my grandparents' generation or before that. Their work may have been repetitive and given their brain a lot of open space and time to do healing work. I mean, I think our generation is figuring this out and answering it. It's it, it we're we're kind of the love haters of technology, right? It's like we want to bash against it, but we all love it and need it. And so, yeah, we're really towing the line. I definitely talk to my clients about this a lot, about the slowing down, the space. I see a lot of stress and anxiety, and and I think that the pace is part of it do you find them open to it do you find them rejecting it do you find yeah what's most are really open to it you know are they craving it are they like dying for someone to tell them do this yeah and you know to really operationalize for them like what what do you mean by that how okay i'm supposed to meditate how do i meditate how do i 
you know, how do I kind of bring these practices in that I hear about or think about? And I mean, really what it's teaching them to do is heal themselves to kind of have those moments of pause and it's like filling your tank back up on your own. Even just pulling people, and I don't know if it's the age group of the people that I work with. I mean, I work with a lot of young tech. So they're in a very specific time of life. It's like the rush hour of their career. They're nose down. They haven't dug into family stuff yet. Some of them are just beginning to and finding the quandary of, oh shit, this doesn't work. But I mean, I think that the... Yeah, so the, the slowing down is, I think that they do desire it. And when they get even a touch of it, it's like, oh, this feels so good. It's really hard to sustain. But even giving people the tools to start their day just a little slower or have like a moment in the evening or even prescribing for a couple a screen-free night. Like... And then you can have sex, <laughs> right? That's healing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's true. Totally. Yeah, but it's, you know, it, it's like there is something to that. And I don't know, you know, I'm from the country. I think I long for that. I think that there's like part of that in my own, maybe my own values that's, that's coming out. It sounds like, you know, for some folks, they haven't realized totally slowing down is, a, is the healing act. Right. But somehow they're getting in your door to see, yeah. to, to see it, to discover it. And so I, one of my, one yeah, of my niches, it, or my niche, is ADHD, which I think is a safe diagnosis to get a lot of people into therapy that wouldn't normally come into therapy. It's coming up a lot in tech, right? I think I might have ADHD. I don't want to take meds. Maybe I'll try therapy for it. I work with people who take meds, people who don't. But I think... What I'm able to offer is like, let's build some skills around this and let's unpack like what else is going on in your life. And then they're discovering that there's many different areas of their life that they want to look at too. And that's not everybody. It's interesting. A mentor that I work with talks to me about how when he first started his career in the 80s, that children of alcoholics was kind of his specialty that got people in the door. It was kind of a it was something that was being talked about and brought people in and they would hit on that and talk about that. But then all of a sudden there were all of these other aspects of their life that they were able to get into. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true for many of us is that there's something that people kind of self-diagnose or that symptom that brings you in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the symptom is the problem and sometimes it's not. You know, I'm not teaching people to sit cross-legged and meditate for hours on end. I'm, I'm working with, can you do one thing at a time? Can you wash the dishes and not do anything else? Not listen to music, not watch TV, not be checking your email every three minutes. Just wash the dishes. Just do one thing. Focus on that. Let your brain sink in. Some of what it unlocks is all the different things that come up in your brain. And sometimes within a meditation, you let your brain go to those places. And sometimes you notice them and you calm them. Which, when you've experienced a really stressful event or are struggling in your relationship or have experienced trauma, 
I think that that can be really calming and soothing and healing. Remember, you can come back to this room and do what we're doing here 20 years from now. You can find this within you. Yeah. And, uh, and heal yourself. Yeah. And I wanted to actually circle back and tell me if this feels accurate. So here we were talking about healing as getting out of the locked story we're in which often is one of negation and trying to find maybe a more empowered way and then by practicing slowing down by practicing really sinking into one thing one it'll show us what perhaps story we're locked in Mm -hmm. two even slowing down perhaps unlocks the part of ourselves that's able to then also swing other stories mm-hmm. totally yeah the way i've languaged it is i i do think everyone has an inner wisdom mm-hmm. uh, we have an inner critic we have an inner yeah <laughs> you know we, there's a, there's a multitude of voices and what i sort of hear you saying is you know healing and slowing down does help us find that there is there is some voice that probably knows what we need to do mm-hmm. or knows how we need to hold this experience in right. a healing healthy way yeah. or i know in my experience and you tell me in your experience i know in my experience that, that voice is usually the quietest mm-hmm. so i also imagine that's why slowing down yeah. because it's you usually the loudest voices are like the Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> screw Run. this. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. Run! You know? <laughs> and so yeah, I really hear the power of what, what we're helping people do: learn to kind of sit, learn to sort of slow down. Mm-hmm. But really, in that process, we're saying your your own knowledge, wisdom, will bubble up. Yeah, like it's in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and to trust it. To trust it. Do you have a personal story you would share on this front of like your path through this and something? You know, I I think that something that was incredibly eye-opening for me happened about probably shortly before you and I met about 10 years ago where my husband and I, we were dating at that point. He wasn't my husband. We were mugged in San Francisco. I had actually been mugged multiple times. I must not be that lucky (laughs) in San Francisco before. This time, we were attacked from behind, and my jaw was broken. It was very quick, sudden. It wasn't physically painful, and it wasn't that traumatic in the moment. I kind of jumped up, and I felt the flurry of adrenaline, and I actually had to have surgery and have my jaw wired shut. That was all pretty traumatic. (laughs) Hospitals are much more traumatic sometimes than the streets. But I found myself in the weeks and months following this having extreme anxiety and panic attacks and not being able to get a handle on it. I think as we talked about earlier, it's a little bit worrisome as a therapist when you're like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know how to fix this and it's not working. (laughs) And I was like, shit, what am I going to (laughs) do? So... I had gone to therapy before I had kind of dabbled in it, but never really had a a good hard reason. I had always been the fixer. I always had the answer. So Uh, this was humbling. And I went to, I found somebody online and went to therapy and, and really kind of started to get into what was going on and why this was coming up for me and what 
yeah, what was happening? What was the panic? What was the trauma? Why couldn't I unpack it on my own? It was a true healing process. It wasn't a quick answer. It wasn't, I don't think it was something I was going to be able to do alone. Like I needed a space and some wisdom and some humility to look at what had happened to me and realize that that it was a really scary experience, right? And I was really vulnerable. And that in these other moments of vulnerability, like for example, when I was standing up to give a presentation at work, I would all of a sudden become choked up and have a panic attack. And I'm like, I'm not in danger. I'm not about to get mugged, but yet I'm really vulnerable. And so these moments that I didn't realize were so connected to this vulnerability within myself were getting triggered. Even though you were obviously working on the attack, it sounds like you were working on vulnerability. If you're willing to share, did, what was your old story about vulnerability? And then after you went through this process, did you have a new story? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so it happened in 2008, so I was like 25, 26, and I feel like at that age, I felt pretty uh, untouchable. Yeah, and in... I think that the interesting thing from a trauma standpoint is that I've, I'm still not scared to walk down a dark street alone. I, I'm not worried about getting mugged again. But in moments of vulnerability or when I feel a little, that's when the panic hits. So, yeah. in, in the empowered story you've learned? That sometimes we're vulnerable. And you can heal from it. That I'm not untouchable. And that stuff can happen to me. I'm not impermeable. I'm not. Yeah, I appreciate that answer because, you know, here we're talking about healing and kind of getting, we get locked into these, this certain story about a certain event. And a lot of what we talked about is like finding a more empowered, different mm -hmm. story. But I appreciate the empowered, different story isn't necessarily a pretty story. Right. Yeah. It's just, it sometimes might even just be accepting. Like I just heard you say like, and what I've come to learn is sometimes I'm just going to be vulnerable. Right. But in that there's an empowered position. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that yeah. personal story of, of doing this work because in these conversations it's, and, and you've sort of said this, like the story of it sometimes sounds easy. Yeah. You know, right. like, yeah, yeah, oh, just true. slow down. Yeah. Just give yourself right. space. Take a few deep breaths. Right. This wisdom will rise. You'll find a different way. But but the face of it is really much harder than that. Right. What's your take there? Like, if you had words of wisdom to people about the reality, is it's not just a simple thing we're asking mm -hmm. people to do. I think that that's where the word work comes into play, that it isn't just, it, it's something that you work towards throughout your life. And that the things that happen to you shift your way of working through it. So my, my dad passing away this summer, I was in this very strong point before he died of having had three kids in five years and thinking like, okay, I'm doing this. I've got this down. I felt empowered. 
I don't want to say I was untouchable, but like I, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm chugging along. I've got this. And then life throws you curveballs, right? And for me, my dad dying was life shattering. You know, he was a, my parents had been together for 51 years. They were a major foundation of my understanding of the world. And it brought me back to a very childlike person. And so I'm, I'm in the process of figuring out how to hold space for that, how to figure that out. Well, I thank you. There's yeah. a lot of really juicy things for me to chew on and, <laughs> cool. and hear. And uh, yeah, I just this was thank, fun. thank you for yeah. taking the time and talking with me. And There you have it. Wonderful wisdom from Carla. I really uh, appreciated the thoughts she had to share with us today. And if you made it this far, I'm going to assume that you enjoyed what you heard. And thus, I'm going to ask for your support. Being a new podcast means I need help getting the word out about this show. So if you could share with your friends and share on social media that you found this new podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Tune in to the next episode. I'll get it out every two weeks. And hopefully if there's a big demand, I can shift to getting these out every every week. Thanks again for listening. See you next episode.